Eleanor Roosevelt said, I have spent many years of my life in opposition, and I rather like the world. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to face opposition. And today we're going to talk about how to handle it in a healthy way. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey, everyone. Today, I want to talk to you about another encouraging subject, opposition. Last week, it was criticism. This week, it's opposition. And next week, we're going to talk about discouragement. Oh, man, what a ball of joy. But listen, these are the realities we face as leaders and leading even in God's church. And we find all of these topics and subjects in Nehemiah chapter four as we continue to work through the book up until the wall is complete with 22 episodes. This is episode number 15. And I'm so glad that you've joined us that we can continue to point you to God's truth and encourage you through it. I know people don't want to bring up these hard issues at times and even avoid them, but God wants what is best for us. So he brings up the hard principles and realities, hard truth like, man, leading others is hard. You're going to have opposition. And so we see Nehemiah have opposition in building the wall, this great call of God. And what I want you to notice is his response to both criticism and opposition today. Criticism and opposition, something that we will all face as a church leader uh, in this world because it can teach us how to handle our opposition and criticism in a healthy way. That's right, in a healthy way, because we don't always respond in a healthy way to these things. And so Nehemiah responds in prayer, in prayer. Now we've seen Nehemiah in this book be a man of prayer, and he is just now applying prayer to this situation or problem of criticism and opposition. He uses his words to pray and keeps pressing forward. Remember his enemies, Sambalot and Tobiah, they were using their words as paper bullets, as William Shakespeare said, to attack and to criticize and to give, uh, to help the people give up these feeble Jews, they called them. But Nehemiah doesn't attack them. He uses his words to bring life and praise to God. In verse four through six, he says this, hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from their from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. I love that if you provoke God's people you're provoking him. Verse 6 says so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Nehemiah didn't get into an argument. He didn't let these words distract him. He used his words to trust the Lord. Now, can you imagine if we did this regularly? If we went to God with all of our problems? I know for me firsthand, my words, they get me in trouble. Like Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I too quickly want to defend myself and use my words to fight with others, to be defensive, especially when they're criticizing out loud to others on a perceived thing. They may not even know the whole story, but I'm reminded of Jesus and how he went to the cross, not even saying a word. He was so in tune with the father and allowed God to defend him. And even David prayed in Psalm 20, uh, or Psalm 43, 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people, for the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. 
man, we are so quick to defend ourselves and to use our words and to be distracted and to fight and fight and fight when the Lord can fight our battles and we can take our words, not to our critics, but to our God and ask for help to allow him to examine our hearts and to take in the truth of the criticism and allow it to coach us and to walk in humility. Think about how more fruitful we would be if we used our words to go to God in prayer rather than going to man in defense. I don't know about you, but man, I'm convicted of it. I'm, I'm, I see the fruit of fighting all the time, don't you? And it's exhausting. I'm, I'm tired of the fighting on social media, aren't you? So many people are trying to defend and fight and they're being distracted from actually just doing what they feel is right. People are so um, busy defending their position that they're losing traction on actually what matters. And so we need to make sure that when you don't get distracted, that we take our heart to the Lord and the situation to the Lord. Maybe this is why Paul told Titus in Titus 3, 9, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. I know that if we take our words to the Lord, it's profitable. It is uh, valuable. But maybe we shouldn't spend all of our energy and time responding in an unhealthy way, but in a, a healthy way like Nehemiah did. We can use our words to actually help the situation by praying, by talking to God about things. And many times arguments just get in the way from us doing the things that we are called to do. Again, Paul told another pastor leader, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, have nothing to do with irrelevant uh, irreverent silly myths rather train yourself for godliness we should use our time to do the things God's called us to do and we are to do good things not to be distracted by criticism or words or even opposition if people want to oppose God's work and his servants we can trust God to take care of it and go to God in all situations Romans twelve nineteen says beloved never avenge yourselves but let it let it to uh, and leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord Nehemiah was letting God work it all out and Nehemiah was doing what he could do he continued to work and he continued to pray a pretty good great response to criticism you continue to do the work you continue to pray submit to God and he was allowing God to do what he can do take care of his enemies now criticism happens in leadership but so does straight opposition. Uh, criticism is a form of opposition, but there are sometimes when people try to hurt us, not just with our words, but physical harm. They try to take action to stop the work, and we see this actually happen in Nehemiah. It's not like Sambalot and Tobiah were just saying these words and mocking them and jeering them, the Bible says. They actually now were plotting to come against them and fight them. In verse 8, it says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion in it. They were serious. They were not playing. This was war. Okay, this wasn't a game. It wasn't some cute talk from their enemies. They were trying to take them out. And I just want to remind you, I want to remind you when it comes to the things of God, that this is real. This is war. This is serious. This isn't just some cute game. Warren Wearsby said the Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. And we must be on our guard at all times. Isn't that what the Bible teaches us in first Peter 5, 8, be sober minded and be watchful for your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, Satan uses his words to lie and deceive us. But we must also recognize the devil actually wants to destroy us as well, to harm us. And he doesn't hesitate 
and won't hesitate to try to take us out. For the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? And so we need to be on guard, be sober-minded, be watchful, and overcome in Jesus. We are in true spiritual warfare where the devil is our enemy and wants to kill us. You see, we all have a great calling and purpose on our life here on earth to do God's will. Just like Nehemiah, God wants to restore people's lives as well and use us to do so. And so we should be learning from Nehemiah and fight uh, how he fights his enemies with prayer and do the same thing. Ephesians 6 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And let us not re- let us not forget how powerful prayer is. We pray to a real and living mighty God. And there is angels and um, his light that can conquer this darkness and fight in the spiritual realm on our behalf. And so we need to not take words lightly as people give us words of harm and want to hurt us we can use our words in prayer and it makes a difference david guzik a bible commentary that i like he said paul did not call the believer to enter into spiritual warfare he simply announced it as fact we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but we do wrestle against the principalities and so forth you are in a spiritual battle if you are ignorant or ignoring that fact you probably aren't winning the battles. Uh, Man, we need to acknowledge and we need to fight. And one of the ways that we fight this is looking unto the Lord, not on our own flesh. Many people are losing this fight because they don't actually acknowledge the fight. They're fighting against people. They're arguing. They're doing all this different stuff rather than repenting and turning to the Lord and saying, God, help. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war against the flesh, for weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Remember, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about criticism, and we're talking about opposition. And we're going to have not only criticism, but we're going to have opposition, a true uh, opposing of the work that God wants to do in and through us. But we need to look to God in the midst of that. And we see here, and in Nehemiah's leadership, he fights with prayer and with action. In verse 9 of chapter 4, it says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. I love that we see Nehemiah again fighting the battle in God's strength through prayer. This is what Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, to pray and to remain strong in the Lord. And I love that Nehemiah prayed, but he also, if you notice, he prepared. He prayed and prepared as well. He took action. He set up a protection plan uh, against his enemies day and night. He was watchful. He was steadfast. He didn't give any provision for the flesh. Yes, we should pray, but we also need to prepare. We need to set up guards against uh, the enemy. You know, one thing I've done for years is had another pastor have access to uh, my computer, my phone, what I look on. And matter of fact, my son has the same uh, handle on my phone. Uh, my wife can check my email, my computer, my history at any moment because I want to I want to be able to prepare and fight against those temptations of not seeing inappropriate stuff online or being tempted in that way because too many people are tempted and they fall. And so Romans 13, 4 says, put uh, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We all have a strong flesh in, and the enemy comes to tempt us and kill us and wants to destroy the work. And so we need to not only pray and ask God 
for strength, but then we need to walk in action and prepare and do the things that he's called us to do and, and really help and uh, fight and do whatever we can to fight in the spirit. There are ways to fight the devil. Uh, There are ways to be strong in the Lord. And one of those ways is just simply obeying God's word, obeying God's word, combat the lies like 1 John 4, 1 says uh, what the enemy says, but walk in God's ways. And it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. And when coming against opposition to be a mighty a man or woman of God walking in his ways. James 4, 6 says, Submit your ways or yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. We are to submit our ways to God. And this is one way that we resist the devil and fight in spiritual warfare. Jesus fought Satan by being strong in God's word. And then he lived it out in the life of obedience and was uh, not tempted uh, beyond giving in. And so just as Nehemiah and Jesus fought opposition, we need to learn uh, to fight as well. We can learn from these men of God. Uh, we are to be a holy weapon in the hands of God, like Robert McChaney used to talk about. Uh, this mighty holy vessel in the hands of God, a tool. Uh, the best way that we can fight the devil is to walk in the spirit through prayer and action, just like Nehemiah did. For Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so it is not if you have opposition as a leader or in this world and against your calling. It's just when it will happen. So we need to be aware of it and we need to fight with prayer and action. Let me encourage you. You can go to God in prayer. You can fight in obedience just as Nehemiah did. Okay. Do not be overcome by evil, the Bible says, but overcome evil with good. I love what Chuck Swindoll says. He says, be encouraged. Through Christ, we can be victors over the forces of darkness, not victims of their evil schemes. So let's keep serving Jesus, even in the midst of criticism, even in the midst of opposition and spiritual warfare. And remember, we can keep on staying strong in Jesus and the grace that he gives us daily. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, we're dealing with another fun topic, opposition and how to deal with it. Uh, What have been some ways that you have been opposed over the years in ministry and just Having people oppose you. Well, you know, with opposition, you got to expect opposition. This is a spiritual warfare. And Satan is not going to lay dead and do nothing and let you just preach the word without him trying to stop you. And I've been opposed many times. I've had people come to the church. Uh, I've had witches come into church. Uh, witch came into church and she said, she was going to preach, and I told her, no, she can't preach. So she said she was going to put a spell on me, and I'm thinking, no, you're not. I said, you can't put a spell on a Christian. You can't curse a, Christ- a Christian. She said, well, I'm going to call down demons, and they're going to, this church, we're going to burn. I said, I says, nobody's afraid of you. Um, you cannot put a spell on me because great is he that is in me, that he that is in the world. I have power over you in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to put a spell. I'm going to put a curse. I said, well, do it right now if you can do it. If you got the nerve 
to do it, do it right now while I'm standing here right now. I don't believe you can do it. And she made faces, she grunted and she screamed, but she didn't put no curse on me because I knew the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit was greater than the power of Satan. I knew that. So, you know, Satan tried to scare us. I've had another guy come in. He was, a guy came in one Sunday and he said God sent him to preach. He said, hey, God sent me to your church to preach. And I'm thinking, who is this guy? I don't even know this guy. I've never seen the guy before in my life. Had a three-piece suit on, nice car, had a big Bible, had his notes, everything. So I told him, I says, well, you know, God didn't tell me that. God didn't tell me you were going to preach this Sunday. I think God would have told me, since I'm the pastor, God would have told me you were coming and that you were going to preach, but God didn't tell me that. So he started cursing and cursing. So we asked the guy to leave. God wouldn't leave. We had to call the cops. The cops came. You know, I... I get out in front of the guy in the church. I tried to reason with the guy before we called the cops. I said, hey, unless you leave, we're calling the cops, man. We're going to have you thrown out of here. And uh, then the guy kicks me on the leg, and I'm thinking, man, <laughs> this guy kicks me, and I'm thinking, you know what? People are trying to stop the gospel anyway. Satan, I think Satan sent these people to our church to try to stop it. But the cops came and took him out. We had a lot of vis visitors that Sunday, but I don't know. They never came back. They kind of wondered what happened to this church. You know, they probably thought, well, um, it scared a lot of people. They didn't come back, but I don't know what happened. Uh, I guess they kind of thought we were some kind of cult or something. But, you know, you have some weird, some weird people that come in your church and say God told them to tell you to do this, and God told me to tell you to do that. Well, you know, God knows my address. God knows my phone number. And if God doesn't tell me, I'm not budging. Because people have all kinds of weird things. They come, they come and say, well, God told them to tell you. You got to be careful. I know God can speak through people. But many, many times it's not from God at all. It's from them. It's what they want to see. And you got people want to run the church their way. And if the pastor doesn't comply with what they want to do, they, uh, they get upset and they, and they give the pastor a hard time and they criticize and, and they cause problems. So be on guard for that. People will come and they will say God sent them, but you know that God didn't. So you you the pastor. And it's your job to take authority over that and it's your job to take control of that situation Hey, the bug's got to stop someplace, and it stops at the pastor. He just can't let any, anybody come in there and do what they want to do, especially my church is small, so I have a lot of people come who are very educated, been to seminary. It doesn't impress me at all if they've been to seminary. I know people who have been to seminary, and they came out more messed up than when they went in. They came out denying the virgin birth. They came out denying inerrancy, inerrancy of Scripture. They came out denying the deity of Christ, and they went to seminary. And they said, well, you know, I want to teach. I said, no, you're not going to teach in my church. No, you're not going to do that. So um, I, I don't have a problem standing up when people are going to oppose me, when people are going to come against me, and people try to cause problems because, you know, 
I've showed a lot of them the door. I've showed a lot of them the door. And I said, hey, you know, if you don't like it here, no one is holding you here. The church was doing just fine before you came, and it will do just fine when you leave. I've told people that. So that's just how I handle things. You know, I don't, I don't bag down. I'm not afraid. I, only one I fear is God. I don't fear Satan. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says to fear Satan. Nowhere. I fear God, and I'm going to try to please him. And if people don't want to come and be a, a blessing, and if they're going to come and cause problems, I said, hey, you know, if you're not happy here, then find some place else you're happy. Obviously, you're not happy here. Just go to another place. I have no problem with that. I won't, I won't hold it against you. But you can't stay here and cause gossip. You can't stay here and cause problems. Because we are not going to get along. I'm not going to send the elders to talk to you. I'm going to come talk to you myself. So make up your mind what you want to do. Well, the Bible says we're not to fear Satan, but we are to be aware of his schemes, his tricks. We do have an enemy that opposes us. Why is it important to know the schemes of the devil and understand that he's a liar and he's against us? Well, when you know you're going to be opposed, you can kind of gear yourself. You can, you can kind of brace yourself for it. You know that the word's going to change people's lives. You know that God told you to preach the word. And you know that you have an adversary who's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He came to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he's going to try to destroy you, your home, your marriage, your church. Jesus said that's why he came, to steal, kill, and to destroy. And right now, the way it is, how crazy it is right now in the world, it's going to get even worse. You know, Jesus said it would. It's going to get even worse. So you got to be on your game as a shepherd. You just can't let anything go. You know, I, I wish I wish everyone was my friend, but everybody's not. Everybody don't like me. I think I'm a likable person, personally. Just between me and you, I think I'm pretty nice, a pretty nice guy. But some people don't think that at all. And I haven't done I haven't done anything to those people. I've had lies spreaded on me. I've had lies. People say things behind your back. People don't even examine it. I tell people all the time, if you hear something about me, you come to me and talk to me about it. Don't go talking among yourselves. If you hear something about another leader, you tell them to go to that leader. And I tell people, don't come to me talking about another pastor because I am a pastor. You talking to the wrong person when you come talking to me about another pastor. If you can't support the pastor, then leave his church and go someplace else. But don't be a hypocrite. Don't sit there and pretend that you love your pastor when you really don't. So I tell people, hey, you know, there's a lot of churches around. Obviously, this church is not for you. But I wish you well. I hope you find the church you're looking for. And that's, they find out, you know, that I'm not going to bag down, so they leave. That's the way it, way it goes as a leader. So for you, what do you see are some common tactics of the enemy of how he attacks church leaders? Just so people could be aware and some, you know, you've been around the block a couple of times now. What are some ways that you've seen Satan attack church leaders, ministry team leaders, pastors uh, that are serving God so we can identify and, and you can just say, yep, 
that that's a common theme right there. He attacks leaders, especially in the home and their marriages. You know, you try to destroy your marriage and your children. You know, you try to destroy your ministry any way you can. But if you're a leader, he, he's going to try to stop you. He, he can't do it, but he's going to try. He's going to try to destroy everything. Every time the word is preached, he's going to be right there to try to destroy and to stop you from doing it. He'd been trying to stop me for 40 years, 40 years. And no matter how bad it was, no matter, and I didn't have any answers. Sometimes I thought, well, maybe this is it for the church. Maybe the church is going to fold. Maybe the church is going to go under, but it didn't. Because the Lord held it together. So when you're a leader, you can expect those things to happen. And you're not the only one. It's happening all over. All over. If you're a leader, this is part of the call. And it's going to happen to you. But I think some of the things he uses against most of us is just discouragement. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to stop. Lives are being changed when you preach. He doesn't want that. So keep on keeping on. And what are some practical ways? Obviously, we know Ephesians 6 talks about the, the full armor of God, but what are some practical ways that you have found encouragement in the Lord and fought against the enemy in opposition? You know, you got to fight with the Lord. With Yeah, full armor is good in Ephesians 6, but you got to have prayer and the word. And, you know, that builds your faith right there. And your trust got to be in Christ, not in the situation, not in the circumstance. It seems like it's always going to be something to try to stop the ministry or try to destroy the ministry. It's always something. But every situation that I've gone through, um, God has always pulled me through. He's always took me through. And I look back now after 40 years, and I don't see how we made it. I mean, I don't see how we made it this far. Except it been from God and the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have made it. I mean, we've, we've had people... You know, when I first went into the ministry, uh, first bought our building, people came in, they stole our sound system, and they waited until we bought another one. They came back and took that one too, two of them, brand new ones. And then um, I called the insurance company, and the insurance company replaced both of, both of them. Matter of fact, we, we got better, a better sound system than we had from before. You know, uh, in last winter, a couple of winters ago, we had a pipe break in the ceiling and all, of, all the fixtures fell to the floor. You know, the whole ceiling fell down. Water's knee deep in the church, knee deep. Right away, people started leaving. They said, well, I guess that's all for our church. The roof fell in and the pipes broke. Aubrey. I called the insurance company. They, they came out. They said, it's no problem. Uh, we're not the cheapest, but we are the best. And they said, whatever you need, we're going to do it. And they gave us a whole brand new sanctuary, $80,000. Didn't, didn't cost us a penny. And all the people, when, when people, sheep are counted, you know why sheep are sheep. Um, they, they get a little antsy, you know. When things go wrong, they get a little antsy and people start leaving, you know. They came into church and they saw the water. Everything's all over the floor. It was it was awful, and uh, people started leaving. 
three months later, everything was brand new. Everything was put back. Brand new sanctuary, brand new carpet, brand new stereo systems. Didn't cost the church any money. And now people are starting to come back in, little by little. They want to come back in. So, you know, you, you just can't. You just can't watch people. You know, when things are going great, they're for you. When things are not, many times they're not. Most people, not all, but most. But your faith has to be trusted God because Satan is not going to, especially now, he's not going to let up. Um, so you better be on your guard and keep your armor on. Matter of fact, you better not take it off because Satan is going to be throwing everything at us, especially leaders, as he can. But he can't stop us. You can only stop yourself. Don't let Satan put fear in you. Don't let Satan put unbelief in you. Don't let Satan uh, destroy your ministry. He will if you allow him to. And he uses people, of course. You know, the Holy Spirit needs a vessel to work through. Well, so does Satan. He needs a person to work through. And usually, it's another believer. You know, some believers are mean. Let's face it, some of them are. But you just got to keep going. So how do you prepare younger leaders or people that you're working with? Because you have faith, you know you've experienced it, but how do you prepare other people for spiritual warfare? How do you train people in your church and on your team that are just working nine to five, living their lives, how do you help them recognize these things? I tell them, you know, sometimes our worship team go out and they says, man, we don't know, we practiced last night, we had a practice session, everything went great. We come here the next day, the next morning to do worship, to lead worship on Sunday mornings, and it's like nothing worked. We were getting feedback, we, the speakers wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't come on, the sound system, we couldn't get it balanced. He says, I said, man, it's just spiritual warfare, you know, you have to be aware of Satan's schemes. You know, seems like on Sunday mornings are the, are the worst sometimes for leaders because Satan knows that you're going to go preach the word and he's going to try to stop you through discouragement. You know, sometimes my wife and I go into church and, you know, one time we got locked out the house. I'm thinking, what in the world? Both of us, I thought I had my keys. She thought I had, she thought she had her keys and neither one of us had our keys and the keys was in the house. We locked the keys in the house. And another time we were going to church, we get to the church and the key, the door wouldn't open, the lock, someone was wrong with the lock, couldn't get in, couldn't get in the building. I'm thinking, it's little things like that, even before you get to church, even before you preach, little things like that can happen you know you go into the church and sometimes as you look in the kitchen there's water all over the floor and you go in the bathroom to, you know the toilet overflowed and you're thinking what in the world so I tell my leaders get on it man just get it clean we only got a half an hour let's go so we get it done too half an hour everything is put back together so when people show up they don't even know anything really happened because we've taken care of all this but yeah, opposition is going to come for sure. And with that opposition, what last encouragement or words of um, encouragement you have for people that are going through opposition and just fighting the good fight of faith? Hey, you know, if you're going through opposition, get uh, with some other people, other pastors that maybe can encourage you. Uh, 
I know everybody's got their story to tell, but they're going through opposition too. If you're doing what is right and doing what God told you to do, you are going to go through opposition, no question about it. But sometimes it's good to talk to other pastors about uh, things that you are going through because, you know, you're not the only one. It doesn't mean that you're a bad guy. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Satan just does not want the word preached. Uh, I've always told my people, we have to be people of prayer. You know, people are getting beat down. I tell them, hey, let's call a prayer meeting, man, and we're going to pray. They never show up. And I'm thinking, I know in my area right now in Tacoma, a lot of churches has canceled their prayer meetings. They canceled them because no one was coming. No one. Just a pastor and his wife. That was it. And all those people who were having trials, having problems, we say, hey, man, we're going to start a prayer meeting. We're going to pray over you guys. We're going to try to help you they don't show up. But I'm telling leaders, man, it's, unless you pray, Satan is really going to try to defeat you. So prayer builds faith and trust. So you got to always do that. Because unless the Lord builds a house, we labor, in, we labor in vain. We can't do it. So we got to depend upon him, not ourselves. Because we, we can only do so much. But God can do all things are possible with him. You can do anything. So if you're discouraged, maybe you call up another pastor. Or if you're going through trials, maybe you call up another pastor or someone you can talk to. I'll be happy to talk to anyone because I've been through a lot of them. But I've also seen the hand of God, how he's taken me out of them too. And I always come out stronger. They say you learn more in the valleys than you do the, than you do the mountaintops. You will come out stronger and you will be able to encourage so many more people. And I ask God sometimes, why am I going through all this? He said, well, you know, um, how am I going to be able to relate to other people unless I go through some of these things myself? I'm able to relate to people now when they don't have finances, when they don't have jobs, you know, when their car breaks down and their basement floods and pipes break in the ceiling and you don't have any money. And, you know, I've been through all that. But God brought me through. And here I am today. Um, God is still blessing our church. Our church is not big, but we have some great people. And, you know, I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders.